Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. It's Revival Wednesday. Are you glad to be in God's house? Yes. You know, one of the things I love about coming to church on Wednesdays, to me, it's a place where faith is built. Amen. Your faith, you just feel faith rising up in worship when you hear the preaching of the word. And this is what I like to pray when I come to church. God, I want to leave this place. Come on, pray this with me. Maybe close your eyes. Maybe lift up a hand just to receive this prayer. Father, I want to leave this place changed and closer to you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give him some praise in his house. You guys can be seated. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 20. Man, isn't it a great season at Celebration Church? Aren't you thankful to be in this house, be in this ark? That's what I love. Sometimes I just thank God. I say, God, I'm so grateful to be in this house during this time, to be in this ark, this place that you're building faith, that you're moving in jacks, this, this season of revival. It's just awesome. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is talking to the elders, and he gives a speech. And he, he says, uh, he's, he gives them the speech about following God, that he's got to go to Jerusalem and follow God, follow the, the Spirit of God. And in uh, verse 22, it says this, and now compelled by the Spirit, come on, say that together, compelled by the Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit some tonight, one of my favorite topics. Paul says he's compelled by the Spirit. He says, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. He says, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. I want to speak to you for a few minutes on anointed for your assignment. Anointed for your assignment. We're talking about mobilization, but when to be mobilized, we need the anointing of God. Amen. Come on, let's say one more prayer together. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it's living and powerful. It brings change to our hearts and our lives, and we just open up our hearts to you, God. God, that we could be changed. God, that we could receive an anointing tonight. God, that we could go home different, more in love with you, Jesus, with more clarity for the assignment that you have for each of us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You know, a lot of times as a pastor, I talk to people and we'll have conversations, something like this. You know, I want to find my calling. I want to find my calling, my call to be a teacher, and my call to be a pastor. What's my calling in life? And, you know, here's what I've learned to tell people. What, what if you changed the question around and thought of it more like this? What is the assignment that God has for me? What assignment is the Lord giving me? And so God can give us different assignments. And the scriptures talk about the anointing of God. What's the anointing mean? To me, it means the presence and the power of God to do what he's called you to do. It's in divine enablement. It's when the spirit of God is moving, he's with you. There's an anointing on your life to do what he's called you to do. It's a supernatural ability. It's a divine empowerment. So your assignment, it might be to raise your kids. 
I, when, I, when I had kids, when, you know, 17 years ago, I had my, my first child, my son. I felt like my assignment from the Lord was to raise them in the ways of God. I wasn't raised in a Christian family, and it's a challenge, isn't it? Raising children in the ways of, go, of the Lord, teaching them to know God. That was, my, that was an assignment that I had. And I remember the first assignment when I felt called, it was to follow Jesus. Can I have an amen? You can have different assignments, multiple assignments. Your assignments can change. You can have long-term assignments, and you can have short-term assignments. Your assignment may be just to glorify God at work, where he has you, to bring him glory. You don't know why he has you there, but he's got you there for this time. You don't see the end from the beginning, but he does. And he has you there for a purpose. And your anointing, your assignment is to glorify him in this place. He's got you there for a reason. And so your assignment, it's where you have influence. It's where God has you. Let me ask you a question. Is your assignment in life clear? Is your assignment clear? Do you know what you're supposed to do? Is there clarity about what God has you to do short-term? Long term, have you thought about what assignment the Lord is giving you? God wants to bring clarity. He wants to bring confidence to you for your assignment tonight. We're going to pray for that. It's important that you think about this assignment. What is the assignment that God has for you? Oh, he told Paul, Paul told Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Your ministry, not someone else's. The ministry that God has given you. You know, your assignment, it may be to help someone else fulfill their assignment. Have you thought about that? Maybe your assignment is to come alongside someone else and help them fill an assignment that God has given them. When I first was saved, our, our pastor used to say this, you'll never have a vision until you learn to serve someone else's vision. You know, it takes humility to say, God, I want to follow the assignment that you have for me. Because we want people to look at our assignment and admire it and think how great it is. So, it, you know, a humble person says this, I just surrender and I want to follow the assignment you have for me. I don't care what everyone else is doing. I don't seek the admiration, admiration of people. I want to follow the assignment that you have for me. Some people, they just want the admiration of others. And they, they'll say no to the assignments that God has for them. But in the end, God's opinion is the only one that matters. Humble people say, I just want to follow the assignment that you have for me. I surrender. I just want to follow this. That's where the blessing is. That's where the anointing is on your life. It's just to follow your assignment. Maybe it's not what you wanted it to be. Maybe God's going to make that clear. But that's where your anointing is. That's where the peace is. That's where the blessing is. And it's the only thing that matters is living for him. Amen. The Holy Spirit gives Paul an assignment in this text. I want to give you five marks for the anointing for your assignment tonight. Quickly. The first one is he's compelled by the Spirit. And this word compelled, it's an interesting word. It's deo pneuma in the Greek. Compelled means this. In some translations it says bound, bound, bound by the Spirit, wrapped up by the Spirit, compelled bound, wrapped up by the Spirit. That's the word deo. Pneuma means this, current, current of air, spirit, breeze of the Spirit. And so he's deo pneuma, compelled, bound by the Spirit. 
And so we know that Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. We know that. Maybe you are an apostle to your family. We know that Paul's an apostle to the Gentiles. Maybe you're an apostle to your school. And so his general assignment is to the Gentiles. His specific assignment is to Jerusalem. It says, compelled by the Spirit, he goes to Jerusalem. The Spirit of God was drawing him to go to Jerusalem. And it, it, it says, he, he, he keeps telling me, Paul says, he keeps telling me to go to Jerusalem. Deo Numa, bound in the Spirit. I often think that's a good name for a band. If I started a band, I'd call it Deo Numa. What are you doing? I'm going to see Deo Numa. Come on, that's a good name for a band, isn't it? Compelled by the Spirit is what it means. You know? Have you ever gone into Krispy Kreme and you just smelt the aroma and you're wrapped up by the Krispy Kreme sense, the, the smell, and it just draws you in and you order a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts? It, the spirit of Krispy Kreme, it just wraps you up and pulls you in. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't eat Krispy Kreme. You know why? Because I went to, we were on the way to Disney World years ago, and I, know we know, I never do this, but Ashley loves Krispy Kreme. She lives for the hot light. Come on, somebody. She loves it. But she said, we're going to Krispy Kreme. And, and we got like a dozen donuts, and I sat in the backseat of the car down to Orlando, and I ate like six of them, and I never do that. And so the, my son was just a baby. The first ride we get on was the Mr. Goodbody ride. I don't know if they have that anymore, but it's very bumpy and bouncy. And I got on that thing, man, I'm telling you, I turned green. I was green, and I said, no more Krispy Kreme for me. I said, I'm going back to the hotel. I'm done with Disney World and Krispy Kreme. <clears throat> but the Spirit of God wrapped, wrapped him up, bound him. He's drawn by the Spirit of God. And so we know that Paul is full of the Holy Spirit. He was blind for three days. Ananias went and laid his hands on him, and he said, receive your sight. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And so if we're going to follow God's assignment, if we're going to be wrapped up, bound in the Spirit of God, compelled by the Spirit, you know what we need? We need to be baptized in the Spirit of God. Baptized by the Holy Spirit. Listen, God wants to baptize some of you in the Holy Spirit before you leave tonight. I am so grateful that when I was a young believer, that I went to a church and I heard the teaching about the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It changed my life forever. I am so grateful to hear that God doesn't just give you the Spirit at salvation, but he wants to continually fill you up with the Holy Spirit. He wants to touch your life with a special anointing, even tonight before you leave. He's a living God. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we desperately need. that. They had to tarry in Jerusalem until they were endued from power on high. Before they could, the disciples, before they could do their assignment, they had to receive the baptism. God poured his spirit out on them before they could do their assignment. It's that important. Ephesians says this, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know what that says? It, that word filled, it means to be continually filled up. You say, well, I was filled with the Holy Spirit 25 years ago. That's good. You need to be filled up again. Ask him to fill you again. You say, I'm a brand new Christian. 
look, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be born again. He can fill you with the Holy Spirit tonight. He wants to continually fill you with his spirit. All you have to do is ask. Luke 11, he, he says, if a father gives, gives to his children, Jesus said this, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? It's right there in the Bible. Jesus said this, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? Ask him to fill you. All you have to do is ask. We need fresh infillings. We need the anointing of God in our lives, in our family. If we're going to change this city, we need the power of God. Amen. When I was a, a new believer, I heard about this idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't know any scriptures. I was new. I didn't know the Bible. And I just went, I was sitting on my bed in my apartment, and I just sat and I began to pray. And I said, I read some books with some of these scriptures in there. In fact, the name of the book I read, it was called The Holy Spirit Baptism Handbook. <laughs> I read the handbook, man. I sat on my bed. This is about 25, 26 years ago. I sat on my bed. I read that Baptism the Holy Spirit Handbook, and I just asked God. I said, if this is real, I said, will you fill me with the Holy Spirit right now? Listen, I'm going to tell you what happened. I was sitting on my bed. And I started feeling something filling me. I'm telling you. I started feeling, feeling joy rising up inside of me, out of your belly. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. I'm sitting on my bed. I'm by myself. I'm a new, new uh, Christian. I hardly know the Bible. I have the Baptist of the Holy Spirit handbook. I'm sitting there, and I'm telling you, rivers of living water started coming out of my soul. I'm telling you, I felt it. It was changed. I just started weeping. I, I started being filled with joy. I said, it's something's happening to me, man. I feel the Holy Spirit in this, in this room. I feel it. Listen. Listen, no one can take it away from me. You say, well, that wasn't true. I don't care. I don't care what anyone thinks. You say, well, that's, that doctrine's not real. I experienced it 26 years ago, but you know what? That was just the beginning because you know what? He's God in the now. He's how God moves on the earth. He's not just a force. He's a person. The scripture says, he, even in Genesis, he was brooding over the face of the waters. That's the Holy Spirit. He's moving on the earth. He's the third person of the Trinity. And he wants to touch you and he wants to fill you and he wants to empower you for your assignment. You're raising some kids. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're going into a workplace. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? Why? Because it gives you boldness. I'm telling you, he gives you boldness. Think of Peter. He denied the faith. Jesus told him he was going to deny the faith, deny him, and he denied him to a servant girl. Three times he denied Jesus, and then he said, I don't even know the man, to the servant girl. He gets full of the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says he stood up with the 11 and began to preach on the day of Pentecost. And he says, take heed and listen to my words. And he preached the gospel. He said, 
This, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. What you are seeing, it's, it's, it's a fulfillment of the prophet Joel. And, and the scripture says, they were cut to the heart. That's the boldness of God. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may preach your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may follow in the name of Jesus. That's boldness. The righteous are as bold as a lion, the scripture says. The wicked flee when no man chases them. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Boldness comes on you when you have the Holy Spirit in your life. You may be shy. You may be timid. Listen, that might be your personality, but when you're full of the Holy Spirit, there's a boldness that can come in your life for the gospel. Look at Peter. Look at the disciples. These men were changed. They were radically changed because of the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And God wants to do that for you through your own personality. Why else do we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why else do we need it? Because it gives us boldness. It takes our prayer life and our worship experience to a whole nother dimension. You say, I, I don't understand. I'm just telling you, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he comes in your heart and he's overflowing out of your life, it's another dimension of prayer. It's another dimension of worship. There's something that shifts. There's something that happens in your heart and life. I'm telling you, 26 years ago, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? I need him tonight. I need him today. I, this is what I've been praying. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, fill me with your spirit. I eagerly desire spiritual gifts. I need more of your spirit in my life tonight than I ever have before. I'm hungry and thirsty for the Holy Spirit in my life. Man, God will respond to a, a hungry heart. He meets us at our place of hunger. He meets us at our place of expectancy. You need more boldness. It's the Holy Spirit. You need another dimension of prayer and worship. That's the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the power of God. Power. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? He says, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power to what? To be witnesses. We're talking about mobilization. It's not something that you do. It's who you are. You have power in the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the baptism. Paul was compelled. He was baptized. He was full of the Holy Spirit. I sat on my bed, and I felt it, man. I, something shifted. Something happened to me. You receive a prayer language, but it's not. The prayer language is not the most important thing. What's the most important thing is being filled with the Spirit of God. That's the focus. It draws you closer to Jesus. Boldness, a new dimension of prayer and worship, power. Something happens supernaturally in your heart in your spirit. And so who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit? Jesus. Jesus is the baptizer. It says in the Bible, John the Baptist said, he who comes after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will, speaking of Jesus, Jesus is the baptizer. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So here's what you can pray. Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. You can pray that to him. Jesus wants to baptize you. He's the baptizer. What happens? 
How do you explain it? You know, the Bible has these different terms for the Holy Spirit. He's called the fire. He's called the wind. It's the rain of the Holy Spirit. It's oil, the oil of God. Fire, rain, wind, a dove. Here's what I like to say. He comes in the way that you need him the most. Sometimes you need peace. And you come and you just sense the peace of God that passes all understanding. I don't know about you. I need peace in my life. I need peace that passes understanding. Sometimes you just need the fire of God. Sometimes you need the boldness. You need the fire in your life. It's, you need to be able to pray. You need fire. You need something burned out of your life. That's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you need refreshing. The Scripture says times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. That's the rain. That's the rain of the Holy Spirit. That's an open heaven where he's pouring out his spirit in rain. Man, he comes just like, he comes in the way that you need him the most. That's the, he's the living God. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen, all you have to do is ask. You don't have to work everything up. You don't have to work into a frenzy. You don't have to do cartwheels at the altar. Listen, he, I sat on my bed. 26 years ago, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit right on my bed. I didn't work anything up. I wasn't in church. I didn't know the Bible. I read it in a handbook, <laughs> and I got filled, man. But let me tell you something. I went to church. Oh, man, I went to church, and I went, and I, I lifted my hands. Man, that's a sign of surrender. I just lifted my hands, and I'm telling you, I got filled like a mighty rushing wind. Man, I'm telling you, I lifted my hands and I felt the Holy Spirit. I began to pray in a new language that the Lord gave me. Man, I didn't even want to stop. It was awesome, man. And I, I, I just, I thank God for the teaching of the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Celebration Church. You can hear the gospel. You can hear this part of the word. It's right in the scriptures. You say, is that term scriptural? It was used by Jesus. That's good enough for me. Amen. And so back in this story, the next few minutes, he's compelled by the Spirit to go. He's baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Spirit. The, that's the first mark is to be full of the Spirit, have the anointing of God. Why do we need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? We leak. We leak, man. We need more. We need fresh infillings. Ephesians, be continually filled. We have hard days. We get in fusses with people that we love. We go through struggles. It's a dry and thirsty land at times. We need to come into his house, and we need to be filled with his spirit, and we need to go out overflowing in our car, back into our homes, in our jobs. We leak. We need fresh infillings. So, but Paul, back to the story. Paul says this, I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what's going to happen to me there. Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going. But he says, I don't know what's going to happen. The second mark is this, embrace uncertainty. If you're going to be anointed for your assignment, you're going to have to be full of the Holy Spirit, compelled by the Spirit. You're going to have to embrace uncertainty. Paul said this, I don't know what's going to happen. <clears throat> it's a walk of faith. I don't know about you, but I like to have all the answers with stuff. I like to know where we're going. I like a plan. But here's what I've learned 
if you're gonna get the fruit, it's out on the end of the limb. That's where the fruit is. If you're gonna receive the blessing without faith, it's impossible to please him. God wants to stretch us out of our comfort zone. He wants to take us to a place of uncertainty. I remember years ago, 20th year of Celebration Church this year, we were in Louisiana and we were praying about moving to Jacksonville. And Ashley said that the Lord showed her a picture of us driving our U-Haul down 95 and chains coming off of it. I never forgot that. That was a long time ago. I never forgot that. What does that mean to me? I just think it means as we were coming down 95, old thinking patterns were breaking off. Limitations were breaking off our lives. Soul ties were breaking off our lives as we drove down 95. And we would have never experienced the blessings and the things that God had for us if we didn't step into uncertainty. Because I showed up to Jacksonville with Pastor Tobel. We didn't know where we were going to meet. We didn't know who was going to sing the songs, who was going to lead worship. We had no plan. All we had was a word from God. It was full of uncertainty and faith. But that's where the blessings are. Don't let fear of the unknown keep you from your assignment. You know what I've learned? Listen, your assignment may be to raise your kids. That's where God has you. You need to do it well. You need to do it the best you can. There's, that's your assignment. That's where God has you. Sometimes he calls people to go to a city. It sounds glamorous. Let me tell you something, friend. Planting a church from scratch is not glamorous. It takes faith and hard work. But here's the deal. It doesn't have to be this sensational thing that God's calling you to do. You just obey the assignment that God has for you. That's where your blessing is. You go to work on time and give him glory. And let God take you from there. Do you know when you are in a place of surrender and humility and you're fulfilling God's assignment with his anointing on your life, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing for someone who says, I'm doing this for Jesus. I'm following him in this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, and when, when God does call someone to move, you know what? It's precious. When someone's compelled by the Spirit and they go to a foreign country, they go to another city, it's a precious thing to watch. It's a precious thing to be a part of. It happens around here all the time, people planning churches and, and campuses. The third, come on, if you're with me, say Amen. The third mark of the anointing is to expect resistance. Look at what Paul said. He said, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. That's not a refrigerator verse, is it? That's not your favorite verse. So what happens is in chapter 21, there's this prophet named Agabus. And he takes his belt and he ties his own belt around his hands and feet. And he tells Paul, this is what's going to happen to you if you go to Jerusalem. And the scripture says, in every city he warns him that prison and hardships face him. And the prophet says, this is what's going to happen to you. Look, it was resistance. But you know what? You know how uh, Paul responds to Agabus? He said, stop making me weep. You can read it in chapter 21. He loves these friends. He says, stop making me be weep. But he says, I'm going to Jerusalem even I have to die there. Paul was ready to expect resistance. He was ready to face adversity. Do you know that Jesus said, in this life you're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer, I've overcome. 
you can overcome in the middle of adversity. Did you know that not all adversity is bad? When you look at your life, oftentimes you look back and you say, I don't want to go through that again. I wouldn't wish that on myself or anyone else. But when I look back, I grew closer to Jesus and I became stronger in the middle of that adversity. That's how it works. We don't wish for it. We don't look for it, but it's a part of life. Can I have an amen? Somebody said this, if life is a classroom, adversity is its teacher. We can learn from adversity. You'll have adversity in your assignment. Raising teenagers can be hard. Yeah. Careers can be hard. Here, adversity comes at us in three areas. It comes through the, the scripture says, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Three enemies. You may want to write them down. The, the first one's the world. What does that mean? It means the world system that is opposed to God. How many of you know not everyone on the earth is following and cooperating with Jesus? So the Bible talks about in 2 Thessalonians, there's a spirit of lawlessness on the earth. Spirit of Antichrist. That's the world system. That's the culture around us. The culture around us. You know, how do we deal with culture? Did you know culture is just, it's not anything inherent in itself. It's like a tent that we live in. That's culture. Culture shifts. Culture changes. How many of you know culture is different than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Just in our limited perspective here, we can see how culture has shifted a lot. We used to not even have phones, cell phones. It shifts, right? Clothing shifts, culture shifts, styles shift. How do we, how do we deal with culture as, as Christians? Do we run from culture? Some churches do. Some Christians do. Are we against culture? Some Christians are. Some churches are known more for what they're against than what they're for. How do we deal with culture? I think we want to engage culture with wisdom. I think that's what Jesus did. So it's not this battle against the world. We want to engage culture. Some areas of culture glorify God, and we can enjoy it as believers. Some area of culture is evil, and we need to avoid it. Some area of culture can be redeemed for his glory. We need to do that. The key is engaging culture with wisdom, that's where wisdom and maturity come into play. That's where learning to walk and engage culture and be wise. If we're going to be mobilized, we have to learn to engage culture the right way. Can I have an amen? And so the first ad adversity comes from the world. A second area of adversity comes in our flesh. Someone said, I want to conquer the world, but I, first I've got to conquer myself. Paul said this, in my flesh dwells no good thing. He said this, he said, I die daily. So the flesh, it can't be improved upon. There's no self-help books that help your flesh. It has to be killed. It has to die. Paul said, I die daily. He said this, in my flesh dwells no good thing. He said, the scripture says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill it in its lusts. Here's the deal. Here's the difference. If you don't know Jesus, you're not full of the Holy Spirit, you're a slave to sin, the Bible says. 
The scripture says that you are dead in your trespasses and sins. You're a slave. But when you're born again, when the spirit of God is in you, the Bible says we are no longer slaves. We're free. The Bible says we can reckon ourselves dead to sin. We can consider ourselves dead to sin. We can have victory over the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We have the power to reckon ourselves, to consider ourselves dead, to walk in freedom. Walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The scripture says, sin shall not have dominion over you anymore. We can be free. We can walk in freedom, but we have to choose it. We have to walk in the spirit. We have to choose the spirit and we have to learn to crucify our flesh The scripture says, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In this life, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for us. Amen? Look, the third area of adversity is the devil. We have an adversary. The scripture says, be sober, be be vigilant for your adversary. The devil walks around like a roaring, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's not a roaring lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's like a roaring lion. It means he's an intimidator. Here's the deal. We fight a defeated foe. At the cross, he was defeated. He was under the feet of Jesus He was defeated at the cross. Colossians 2.15 says this. He disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them openly. What does that mean? When Rome would defeat an enemy, they would do a parade. They would march into town and they would parade the spoils, mocking their enemy openly. That's what the scripture says Jesus did to, the, to our spiritual enemy at the cross. He disarmed him. He made a public spectacle over him openly for everyone to see at the cross. He was defeated. Here's the principle. You want to write it down? We already have the victory. We just need to recognize it. He only has the power that we give him. He's a defeated foe. You got to know that you have the victory. In the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. We already have the victory. We just have to recognize it. Back to the story here, the last couple of things, and we're going to pray. He says this, however, Paul says, I'm compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen to me there. He says, however, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. To me, it speaks of surrender. Paul was living for one thing. That was his assignment, to testify the gospel of Jesus, to bring the gospel to the, he was surrendered. His life meant said one thing, this one thing I'm gonna do, I'm gonna finish the race. I'm gonna follow Jesus. To me, it speaks of surrender. The fourth thing is this, live with a surrendered heart. Man, you know what? There's something beautiful about a surrendered life, a surrendered heart. The scripture says, present yourself to God as a living sacrifice. You come to the altar. You, you come up to the altar and you just, 
You're walking up there. You're just surrendering. God, I, I want to do my assignment. I'm coming to the altar. I'm just surrendering. I'm coming to the altar. I'm surrendering again. Here it is another Wednesday. Next week, here I come. I'm coming to the altar. I surrender. I surrender it to you, God. You're slowly giving it to him. You're leaving at the altar. Here's the problem with a living sacrifice. They can get back up. So here you come again. I'm coming to the altar. I'm surrendering. Eventually what happens is there comes a place and you've left it at the altar. When you go back to your seat, when you get back in your car, something shifted. You've surrendered. You've fully surrendered it to God. Here's what I've learned. It's easy to say, God, I trust you. You're in control. It's harder to believe it in your heart. But you can get to the place where you're fully surrendered. You said, I thought this was my assignment. Well, it wasn't. This is what God has for you. Are you surrendered? Is that where you're at? A, a surrendered heart. If we're going to fulfill the assignments God has for us, we have to just say, God, not my will, but your will be done. I must decrease. You must increase in my life. I'm telling you, God looks for an empty vessel to fill. He looks for a surrendered heart. If you, Jesus said this. He said, he who seeks to find his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You keep trying to live your own way, or you can just come to the altar. You can surrender it, and you say, your will be done. I'm going to live life your way. You watch the blessings of God. You watch how God can take your life and make it beautiful and put the pieces together and crown your life with loving kindness and tender mercies and renew your youth like the eagles and restore your life to what you never thought it could be. But it takes a surrender. It takes going to the cross. It takes a surrendered heart. It takes a surrendered life. You can't do it both ways. You gotta take up your cross and follow him with everything you have. That's a surrendered life. That's where you're assigned, that's where the clarity is gonna come. You can't say, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want it my way. And so instead you say, not my will, but your will be done. I wanna follow your plan. I want your assignment. And you watch how God begins to put the pieces together. Someone said this, a man on his face cannot fall from that position. It takes humility. Coming to that altar, an empty vessel. The fifth area we see in Paul's life, he says this. He says, and now compelled by the Spirit. He's full of the Spirit. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem. He said, I don't know what's going to happen to me there. There's uncertainty there. He says, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships await me. He's ready for adversity. I think the Lord just took, showed Agabus, the prophet, so Paul could be mentally prepared. He said, I'm still going. He's mentally prepared for adversity. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. I just think it speaks of surrender, a surrendered life, a surrendered heart. That's what God's looking for. That's the beauty of the altar. It's a symbol. You're lifting your hands. You're coming forward and you're saying, I give it all to you, God. I surrender it. And then he says this. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. Finish the race and complete your assignment. Some of you need a picture of, you know, when they run track 
and they have that tape across the line, you need a picture in your head of yourself going and crossing that finish line of your assignment. You're not giving up, and you just see you breaking that tape. That's finishing your assignment. And you hear this, well done, good and faithful servant. Finish the race. See the end from the beginning. It's easy to start, but can we finish strong? Can we have a vision to see the end from the beginning? That's the, what I want to pray for. That's the clarity for your assignment. What type of legacy do you want to lead? How do you want to be remembered by your family and friends generations to come? That's your assignment. That's a part of your assignment. Some of you say this, I want clarity in my assignment, but I, I've, I've dropped the ball. Come on, let's all stand together quickly, quickly. Come on, let's stand. I've, I've dropped the ball. I haven't finished strong in areas. You know, the Lord gave me, I, when I was praying for this message, a couple of things I felt like the Lord say. He said he's gonna baptize some of you with the Holy Spirit tonight. So get ready, get ready. He's gonna fill you. All you gotta do is ask. It's, it's him and you, he's gonna fill you. Some of you, you drop the ball in your assignment, but here's a, here's a scripture for you, let's put it up. It says this, and it says, Micah 7 says this, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. Come on, somebody say that, I will arise. Come on, I will arise. I will arise and finish my assignment. When I sit in the darkness, the Lord shall be a light to me. Listen, maybe some of you, you feel like you're not doing that good on your assignment. God wants to give you a fresh start. He wants you to arise. He wants to ignite a fire in your heart. Here's one I want to pray for. I want to pray, if you'd say, Pastor Chris, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's my way. Here's what I want to tell you. All you have to do is come to this altar and ask. You don't have to work it up. It's not emotional stuff. It's just he meets you at your place of faith and hunger. Come and ask. And he wants to touch you. He wants to fill you. Some of you, will, you'll feel a, a prayer language. You'll feel something happening. The scripture says in Acts, they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What does that mean? That just means that they spoke as the Spirit gave them words to say. It doesn't, it's just, you can say it in your own, verse, own voice. Paul said this, he said, I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with understanding. That's a, that's a scripture for a prayer language. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. It's right there in the Bible. There's nothing weird about it. I'm so thankful to be taught the Holy Spirit and to have that teaching in my life and we wanna bring it to you. We want you to receive the teachings and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. And, and, and that could be your prayer. I, I pray in the Spirit more than you all. I, I speak in tongues more than you all. I will, I will sing with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, the Scripture says. God wants to fill you. He wants to give some of you a prayer language before you leave tonight in your car. Some of you need clarity for your assignment. So those are the two things I'm going to pray. Come on, come quickly. If you say, Pastor Chris, that's me. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lift your hands up all over this place. I need a fresh filling. I, I need to be filled. Those of you who lifted your hands, come to the altar. We're gonna pray for you. Come quickly, come on, let's, let's go. Quick, 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 quick. Come to the altar. We're gonna pray. If, if those of you at your seats, if you say, I need clarity for, for my assignment, you can come to the altar if, you, if there's room up here. We can pray for that in your seat in just a moment. I'm just gonna believe that God's gonna give you clarity. He's gonna to begin to 
show you your assignments in your life. Make it clear, focus for you as we leave. Come on, let's just, those at the altar, here's what we're going to do. Just close your eyes. This is all in faith. Close your eyes at the altar. Maybe some of you want to lift your hands up. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign in the Bible. Moses lifted his hand. Jesus lifted his hands. It's, it's right in the Bible. The disciples lifted their hands. And so we're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And here's the scripture. Luke 11, Jesus said this. If your father being evil knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's the baptizer. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray, but I want you in your own words to say, Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Spirit right now. So we're, here we're going to do. We're going to pray that right now. Just right where you're at. I'll lead you. Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Spirit right now. Now just what's going to happen is you're going to start to feel the Holy Spirit as we go into worship. You're going to feel him. He's going to come on you. You're going to feel him in your in your. The, the, the scripture says it's like living waters from your belly, from your heart. That's the living water. That's Jesus pouring his spirit into your spirit. And all you have to do is just begin to pray. You don't have to work anything up. I think I feel the Holy Spirit the most when I'm just, I'm real still and I'm just listening. I'm telling the Lord that I love him and I'm just sensing and waiting for him to fill me. That's when I feel like I feel him the most. He loves you. He, he wants to fill you. He wants you to feel his anointing. So as we go into worship, we're going to go ahead into a song. Just, just begin to worship him. And I'm telling you, many of you guys are going to feel the anointing of God. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.